There's never going to be a place in space or a time when you reach a destination where you never have to work at this again. But I do think that the more you change your perspective of this and recognize it's a daily act, the less you have to worry about this long-term outcome that you're trying to achieve. Instead of being so focused on this big end goal, you can just be here today doing the work that it takes to change how you feel right now. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place I believe you were made for living well, and that also means you were made to heal. Now, we are wrapping up the How You Heal series that we've been doing all summer long, And that includes eight podcasts on different topics that are really vital to the healing process. It's really about wholeness, about recognizing that you are more than just a body, but you're also more than just a mind. And it's how the mind, body, soul connection intertwined to create healing that is possible within you. Now, we've been through a lot of different topics. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you go back and listen to them. You can find all eight podcasts at The Living Well or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Now, today, I kind of want to wrap up this series by giving you what I call the five C's of healing. It's really just like kind of this framework that's going to help you to build your life off of. It's what we really know at the end of the day. It's not as much doing things as it is making it a part of who you are. And hopefully inside this podcast, you'll learn like the platform, the foundation to stand on. So no matter what season of life that you're living in, you can optimize your healing. These are kind of the tools to heal or the five C's of healing. And as always, you can find all of the information you need about each podcast and really the roles of healing at thelivingwell.com. You can also take the free quiz that's going to give you an indicator of how healthy you are based on your energy levels, which is exactly what we've been talking about all summer long. Now, speaking of energy, I do want to remind you of the summer podcast series before we wrap up this session, and that is Element. Element is a specialty electrolyte drink that has no artificial ingredients or extra fillers or added sugar to it. It's really just the right ratio and exact supply of electrolytes and minerals you need that are going to help your cells produce energy and really create that abundant flow of it. Of course, most of us know the importance of electrolytes and its need for hydration, but there are many other benefits of these electrolytes and minerals like sodium that are necessary for nervous system response for hormonal patterns, for brain firing, and really just to feel this overall sense of wellness. Now, I have been using Element all summer long, and so is my family, and we love it. Literally, we crave it every single day. Even my dad, who does not like to do anything I ask or tell him to, has found immense benefit from taking Element. In fact, it has really helped his digestive system. I want to encourage you to check out Element, all of the benefits, and get your free sample pack that you can only get using this link, drinkelement.com backslash made for living well. Check it out for yourself, and I'll fill you in a little bit more about Element later on in today's show. 
And again, I want to thank them for being a sponsor of the show so we can expand the mission of creating health and living out health that's inside of you. Now today, I want to help you do that by wrapping up this summer series with the five C's of healing. At the beginning of the podcast series, we talked about what it means to redefine health. And I think that podcast is really important, and I want to come full circle in understanding what that definition is. Because if we cannot define health for what it actually is and put a realistic metric on it, that is not just another bar or standard you have to try to achieve. It's going to make health possible. And that is what I want you to know and what I hope that you found throughout this eight-part series is that health is 100% inside of you. It is not for the privileged. You don't have to have all the resources. You don't have to have enough money to biohack your health. But it is absolutely available to every single one of us. And the reason that we can say that is because we've redefined health for what it is. It is an action. It's something you do. It's what you create. And most of that creation actually happens based on a perception. Now, most psychologists agree with the statement that perception is your reality. It doesn't necessarily mean it is the reality, but the perception in which you live is your reality or it creates your reality. And that shows the immense power of the mind, right? Like we know that what we think often becomes our outcome because our body is often run based on our mentality. So if we want to change our body and our outcome, we have to start to change our perception of our reality. And this is perhaps one of the more difficult things that we have to do because it makes us confront the places that we've worked really hard to suppress and ignore and to shove and to create stories around that have become our way of life. Like it makes us confront the story of our life. And it's not to say that that story is necessarily wrong, but it's to recognize, is the story I'm telling myself helpful? Is it hopeful? Is it allowing me to live out life and to really experience life? Or is it keeping me trapped in this box, making me micromanage and control my life? And arguably, I think as a generation and as a society, we have become more fragile to the confrontation that perhaps our reality isn't accurate. I recently read an article in The Atlantic about trigger warnings. Uh, And it was really fascinating because it showed that roughly around the year 2010, we developed this idea called safetyism. And it's this concept that people with good intentions were working to provide the safest and most comfortable environment for children, for their relatives, for the people that they loved. And in the process of that, they really worked to control and manipulate the environment so that it was free of things that were dangerous, free of things that were against their way of thinking, um, things that would maybe challenge the norm or make someone feel uncomfortable. And of course, I think all of this was done in with love because on some level, we always want to protect ourselves from the pain and experiencing the negative sides of the world. But what we found through the process of that was that anytime someone was faced with something that was even remotely uncomfortable, the feeling of uncomfort 
was no longer something that could be used to grow them, to expand them, to make them stronger, more resilient. But these uncomfortable feelings were always viewed in a negative way. It was always to be avoided. And in the process of that, uh, we really created this really fragile society, this quote-unquote woke culture or cancel culture that was against anything that might ruffle the feathers. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been great things that have come from this, but there's also been some true awareness and understanding and even research that has shown that the lack of discomfort in one's life is actually creating a more miserable life, partially because it's prevented you from living life because you have to so manipulate life that you can't experience it to the fullness. And whenever we talk about experiencing life to the fullness, to live out your full potential, to uh, live healthy, it requires you to work through some pain. Like pain is part of the process of experiencing more joy and happiness. It's the full range of emotions. And it's not to say that we have to be comfortable with all of them, but we have to know that we can not only survive them, but thrive through them. And it all boils down to having the choice and changing our perspective. What happened with the safetyism idea was that our perceptions were formed in us and were built through us that the outside world was negative, that it was scary, and your best effort was to control anything and everything we can. It's really created this culture of control. But what we have to know about an absolute truth in life is that we really don't have as much control as we think we do. That does not have to be scary. But in the process of not having control, we get a lot of choice. We still have the choice in how we respond. We still have the choice in how we are going to perceive that and the story we're going to tell ourselves out of that. And this is really, really, really important because if we want to experience health and if we want to stop being so obsessed with our health and controlling it and manipulating it because we think that's going to keep us safe and controlled, we have to build this this resilient sort of life where we see that our body is capable of really hard things. And in the process of that, it actually can thrive because of them. I think on some level, we understand this, like when it comes to working out. We know that working out is going to stress your body. It's going to push the body into hard things. And in the process of pushing the body and stressing the body, you're actually creating change within the body. And that's what we're looking for. But there has to be more of a wholeness to this. And while we're doing it in one area of our life, we tend to ignore it in all the other areas, which in the process is making our body more resistant to any change that we encounter or any change that we might even incorporate into our life. We've become resistant because we're fragile, where there's less resistance in an anti-fragile life. And building an anti-fragile life recognizing that the body is capable of hard things, recognizing that you're also capable of hard things, and the hard things aren't there to destroy you, but to build you and to grow you. And in the process of that, you actually become more free and happy and joy-filled and peace-filled and hopeful and all the things that we're looking for. Because we're not so concerned about all of the wrongs, 
but we can start to shift our life and see even in the midst of the wrongs, there's hope. Of course, there's a spiritual aspect to this, like all of health, and I mentioned throughout every single podcast here. But if we want to truly be healthy, we have to build some resilience within us. And as I was reading the the article from The Atlantic, it was like perfect as we wrapped up this podcast. And there's a quote inside that says, a person's sense of themselves as either capable of preserving through hardships or unable to manage it can be self-fulfilling. And I love that quote because I think it really sums it up to say like, no matter what situation we're in, our body is always responding. Our mind is always responding. And maybe better said, we're always coping. And how we're coping with what we're going through in good times and in bad times is really creating the outcome that we're going to experience. So all of this to say is, I think if we really want to live healthy and live the life that I think all of us are striving for, we have to learn to cope better. We have to learn how to cope in a healthy direction, which means, again, recognizing that you're capable of hard things, of sitting in hard things, but you don't have to focus on the hard thing, but you can shift your perspective of it. The human mind is not fragile. It doesn't need to be protected or cushioned. In fact, it is anti-fragile and it benefits and it gains from discomfort and strain. Like there is a need for hard things in our life. And as I say, hard things can either break you or make you. And honestly, when I was thinking about, okay, what do you do with that, right? Like, do you engage in hard things? Do you look for pain? I think some of us live in these cycles of pain. Even I am like a, a recovering pain addict. But here's the thing about it. I don't think we have to create pain in order for us to experience pain. I think life will bring enough pain on its own. I think it's being willing to go back to those places that you've tried to shove and hoard and um, ignore. And it's allowing yourself, like we talked about in forgiveness, to be able to sit with those things so that you can ultimately release yourself from them. It's being able to sit with it without being fearful of it or without having to relive it in a way Knowing that in sitting with it, you can create a new perspective of it. But I also think it is engaging with hard things. Like when we look at self-discipline even, right? Like something that is necessary if we want to engage in healthy behavior. Because it's not always easy to withhold yourself from a piece of cake. And I don't even like to think of it as withholding yourself from a piece of cake because that alone is probably going to make you engage with a piece of cake which is what's so ironic about cancel culture in general, is that no matter how much we try to protect ourselves from the things of pain, we're naturally prone to want to engage with it. We're curious about those things. And some people or even some research calls this the Shakespearean effect, where we actually are fascinated and engage with quote-unquote drama. We don't necessarily want to experience that for ourselves, but we certainly want to engage with it as a third party looking in. And I think part of the reason we engage with that and part of the reason the research engages with that is because that's actually real life. That's very realistic. And in some ways, we're all looking for a framework that's going to help us to engage with our own pain. We're all looking to be taught how to deal with pain. And that just proves that we can't ignore it any longer. 
Again, I'm not asking you to create your own pain, but I am asking you, like, we've got to start engaging with hard things and going back to self-discipline, like having the discipline to eat the healthy foods, to wake up to work out even when you don't feel like it. Like a lot of the health things are going to be things you don't feel like doing. A lot of great things in your soul and in your mindset and just in life in general are not necessarily things you want to do. But we have to see beyond our initial feeling to see the long-term effect of that to recognize that you can push yourself through that because you have the perspective of long-term, of how it's going to create the change and the outcome and the feeling in the long-term. And that's just a shift in perspective. It's being willing to sit in the hard, to move through the hard, to engage with the discomfort because you know that in that you're actually growing and becoming stronger. There's a pretty good book. Um, it's it's pretty in-depth, but uh, one that if you're interested in the anti-fragile life, it's called Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain from Disorder. I'll link it up in the show notes, as well as the quote from The Atlantic, because I think they're definitely worth reading. I say all of that to, to kind of preface the five C's of healing, which really lead into the fact that these are not going to be easy. They're going to make you engage in uncomfortable things. But if we start to do that in more of our life and recognize these five C's as a foundation for living healthy and really just living more life, it really does in the everyday start to change the outcome that you experience. It might happen slowly. You might not notice it at first, but over time, you'll find great reward in this. The first C of healing is choice. Now, this kind of comes off again of recognizing that anti-fragile life, but it comes back to recognize that while we don't always have control, we do have choice. And choice is a really powerful thing because it opens up this idea of kind of free will. And choice is hard. And sometimes I wish I didn't have choice. Like I wish it just was because we tend to open up so many things in our life that need decisions. We have so many choices that we almost enter into analysis paralysis. That's like a whole side to choice. But I think in general, the power of choice makes things personal. And that's really important to us as humans, because while we are a part of a collective whole, we also have to see life as personal. And that personal connection to it is what's creating your perspective of it. So when it comes back to choice, choice is one of the greatest gifts I believe God gave us. It's also one that can be distorted and demented the most. But when it comes back to choice, I think what we need to understand is that everything we do is always a choice. Our environment may not be a choice, but how we perceive it and how we act out of that, that is our choice. And when it comes to choice, I think one of the things that can most help you is recognizing that you don't have to find the perfect option to start. Like we need to learn how to embrace the inherent uncertainty and messiness of life and just start to create and choose within that. (laughs) Like it's not going to be perfect. You might fail or make the wrong choice, but the only way to learn that that's the wrong choice is to try to attempt it. And if it is wrong, then you can make the choice to do something else. 
But I always tell my kids and I always, you know, am reminding myself, I have that choice. Like we have a lot of choices. Of course, not all things are our choice, but generally speaking, we do have a lot of room to choose, especially when it comes to health. For most people, you get to choose what you eat today. You get to choose how you engage with life. You get to choose who you engage with. You get to choose how you respond to situations. Like there is so much choice. And this is hard because we love the predictability of life. And so kind of believing that you don't have choice or just falling back into what you always choose creates that predictability that creates that sense of comfort. Um, So there's going to be an uncomfort to choosing something different for sure. But it's ultimately knowing that if, if the way of life or what we're experiencing is not working for us, you can choose something differently. And I think it's keeping that in the forefront of your mind is I get to choose. I'm choosing how I respond. I'm choosing what I think. I'm choosing how I feel in some regard, maybe not the emotion, but the perspective of that emotion, which creates your feeling. Generally speaking, you always have a choice. I need to briefly interrupt this podcast to tell you about an amazing product that is going to help you with your energy. Now, one thing I haven't mentioned inside this podcast is how powerful and potent water is in conducting and moving energy. And as we know, our bodies are made up of mostly water. However, the healthiest body is a balanced hydration within the system. We don't want too much water or not enough water. Both ends of the spectrum can cause you to feel sluggish and tired and really create health problems. So it's always and only about balance as you're learning inside this podcast. And one of the things that we need to balance our water and conduct more electricity and energy is minerals and nutrients like sodium and potassium and magnesium, which happen to be hard to come by in just a daily average diet. And that's why I recommend products like Element, which can help supply all of your needs for the day in one simple, easy-to-go packet with no hidden ingredients, no excess sugar, and no sketchy chemicals that are going to make your body more sluggish. This is the real deal when it comes to proper, balanced hydration, boosting your energy, helping you to feel well, recover better, and expand your energy field. You're going to love it, and you can learn more at thelivingwell.com backslash L-M-N-T. And while you're at The Living Well, don't forget to sign up for the weekly fill where I share so much more about this as we start to work ourselves into a month called Bioenergetic Nutrition and learning how to feed your body outside of all of these diet tactics, what is going to help you feel energized and how you can eat to actually create more energy lose weight, and feel better than you ever have without restriction, deprivation, or starvation. It's all happening over at The Weekly Fill. So check that out and grab some sample packs of Element using the link thelivingwell.com backslash L-M-N-T. Okay, let's get back to today's podcast. The second C is create it. We have to know that health is not something that's just going to happen. Healing doesn't just happen. Good relationships don't just happen. Financial wealth doesn't just happen. A strong relationship with Christ doesn't just happen. Like these things are things that must be created. You have to work for it. And that goes back to choice, of course. But I also want to shift that perspective to help you see that most of the things that we want in life are not an arrival. 
It's a journey. It's a process. It's a doing. And as I always say, health is not a destination. It's an action, just like healing is. So if we want to heal, if we want to get healthier, we have to know that this happens because of the way that we create it. It's how we create and set up our everyday life. That is what's going to determine the outcome that we experience. So instead of looking at these words as destinations or nouns, we have to see them as an action or a verb. And in the everyday, I think that's asking yourself, how can I create health right now? What can I do for myself today? What action can I take that's going to change how I feel? Think about it in regards to what you do, not to arrive at a place that's very different, but how to create that feeling right now. The third C is confidence. We have to have some confidence when it comes to healing. And I'm talking about the kind of confidence that recognizes that your body is very capable of doing the job of healing. It was designed to heal. It was designed to thrive. It just needs the right resources to do so. And I think when it comes to body confidence, it comes to overall confidence in your life. And this idea of confidence is not um, having everything that you need or the perfect outcome. Like you don't need to wait for confidence, but we need to use confidence to create and to choose. So we need to change our understanding of what confidence is. Like confidence is not walking into a room and thinking that you're better than everyone. Real confidence is walking into a room and not needing to think about yourself at all. And that comes from understanding that confidence is not an external marker. Again, it's not an arrival at a place. It's really a perception of ourselves that's outside of any external reality. Improving your external reality will not necessarily change your confidence. In my opinion, the best way to understand confidence is really being okay with who you are and where you are, even if you don't like it. In a lot of ways, confidence is being comfortable with what you lack. It's recognizing your flaws and your failures and your shortcomings. And it's also having that trust and that confidence and something greater than yourself to use that to move you forward. It's saying, I can't be everything. I wasn't designed to be everything. I I have flaws. I'm a sinner. I have shortcomings. But there is someone greater than me that I live to glorify that's actually producing that confidence. And even outside of the spiritual side of things, like confidence is still a vulnerability of understanding and embracing what you don't have. It's embracing the hard things. It's embracing the ugly parts of you. It's embracing the things that you don't like. Not to accept them as reality, but confidence is acknowledging those things so that you can move through them. Again, I think so often we like look at confidence, we look at uh, even contentment in a way as conforming or being willing to be stuck in this place that we hate. That is not this at all. It's always a forward movement. It's having that growth mindset rather than that fixed mindset. It's recognizing your flaws, not as a means to label yourself as them, but to grow through them, to become better because of them. That's the goal. I think this comes back to the body positivity movement that we're living in. 
where, yes, I'm a fan of being positive about your body and embracing your body. What I'm not a fan of is that body positivity has taken on that you should just conform to the size that you are and be happy to be there. It's like, yes, you can love yourself at any size, but I think that there's a process in all of us that we should still be working to healthify that. Even if you're quote unquote at a healthy weight, it's still a daily work to continue the process of healing and healthifying your body because it's always getting pulled out of balance. So I don't love the idea that you can just, uh, that loving yourself at any size means sitting there and conforming to that, but it's still the process of growth and moving forward. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that because there was a comfort to being like, okay, I'm good here. Like, I guess I just need to love myself here and just live here and exist here. And even if you change, like we see this online with influencers, right? Like who have promoted this body love movement and people love that they're embracing the size that they are. And then all of a sudden they lose weight and everyone loses their mind. It's like we can be happy for them sometimes, but if they get better or healthier, we can't be happy for them because it triggers our own uncomfort. It triggers the places that we don't like about ourselves rather than, again, having the confidence to embrace our weaknesses and knowing that the process of this is moving through them. And I think anytime we're triggered because of our own pain, it's because we're not moving through it. We're not growing because of it. And that's always going to make us say and judge and be so concerned by other people because we don't want to focus on the things that really our body and our souls and our minds are crying out for us to focus on. So again, confidence is being okay with your weakness, not to conform to it or sit there or make it your label or who you are, but to help you move through it. It's continued growth or having that growth mindset rather than that fixed mindset. The fourth C is community. I think one of the biggest disadvantages to our healing is the isolated form of health that we've existed within. So much of the wellness industry has been this focus on healing yourself and doing this internal work and self-healing when really Health and wellness is about the collective whole. Yes, it's about the wholeness of your mind, body, and soul, but it's about the humanity's whole. It's the collective whole of how we're interacting with others and our relationship. And arguably, you could say that you are only as healthy as your most unhealthy relationship because health is not just a metric of you. It's how you're interacting with all of life. And it's all of the encounters that you have. Like if we go back to the basics of energy and the first law of thermodynamics that states energy is neither created nor destroyed, but it's, but it's only altered. And every single thing in life is altering our energy. Like in the Energy Field podcast, we talked about how your energy field is altering the way other people influence you and how you influence other people. And that means to truly heal. There has to be a collective wholeness. And I read this quote that I thought was really good for this. And again, going back to the Atlantic article, which I feel like now inspired so much of this, um, but I think it just reinforced a lot of this. It's stated in there that if we want to replace our culture of trauma with a culture of resilience, we have to relearn how to support one another. 
something we lost as a society that has moved towards viewing wellness as an individual pursuit, a state of mind accessed via self-work. Retreating inwards and tying our identities to the ways in which we've been hurt may actually make our inner world harder places to inhabit. Why? Because we were built and created and designed for community. The collective whole lifts each other up. And even when we get into mindset statistics, we can recognize that while life may be quote unquote improving in a lot of ways, we actually are experiencing more loneliness, higher suicide rates, more helplessness and hopelessness. And we have to ask the question, why? Because why in one regards are all of these um, negative things decreasing, but our mindset is not improving? Most of that has to do with the isolation factor, that because of social media and because of our phones, we are more isolated than ever. And what people need to heal is other people. We need the loving hand, the nurturing, the hug, the compliment, the laughter. We need the community of people who are willing to love other people for the sake of building them up and the sake of the collective whole Like the saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. We are all in this together. And we can't keep isolating ourselves and blocking ourselves off, but fostering deep connection is critical to the overall functioning of your health and how well you heal. I think COVID was a prime example of this. When we had isolation from other humans, we've recognized now on the backside what that's done to humanity. And even people who had COVID and were in the hospital, like my own dad was in the hospital for five weeks with COVID. We were never allowed to visit him. And I wondered, how did he even survive five weeks without having any sort of loved one in his presence? I mean, it's it's truly a miracle. And what we know, even from um, studies on orphans who aren't touched and aren't nurtured, they can just die from the lack of touch and nurturing and love, just like we see in in nursing homes, right? Like the elderly are also deprived of human love and touch and attention. And just giving them that, giving them a basic massage every week can increase their level of health exponentially just because of another human's touch. Community is vital, which means you've got to be more social. You've got to build relationships. You've got to foster time with other people. Which brings me to the last C, which is continually. Now, I really just like pulled this one up, um, but it worked really well because it's all about a process. If we want to heal, if we want to be healthy, we have to know it's not a one-time thing. It is a daily process. It is what you do for the scope of your entire life. And it's being willing to recognize that you're going to go through different seasons. Sometimes you're going to be stressed and need more practices of healing. Other times you're going to be feeling really well, but that doesn't mean we still neglect the things that we know it takes to heal, right? Like it's a process. We're continually engaging with this, which again goes back to the definition of we have to change the idea that this is not an arrival. There's never going to be a place or a time or a place in space or a time when you reach a destination where you never have to work at this again. But I do think that the more you change your perspective of this and recognize it's a daily act, the less you have to worry about this long-term outcome that you're trying to achieve. Instead of being so focused on this big end goal, 
You can just be here today doing the work that it takes to change how you feel right now. Knowing the outcome will come, you don't have to worry about that, just what you do and how you feel and creating healing in the every day. And I think there's a lot of freedom there. It feels so close, so similar that you could almost miss it, but it is immensely different. Truly, the outcome you experience is different because it's not about fighting life or fighting your body trying to get there, which only leads you to trying to control and manipulate your environment. But you can just take a breath and come back and recognize, again, you have the power of choice. You can create this. You can have some confidence in it. And you can build a community through it. So those are the five C's again. It's choice. It's create. It's confidence, community, and continually. And if we really build the foundation on those five C's and recognize them, I think so much can change because it allows us to stop worrying so much on what's been done on the past and what we want to get done. And it just helps us to recognize that wherever we're going is only going to be determined by today. So you can live more in the present moment. And that really does, takes the pressure off. So you don't have to wait for the perfect day or the perfect life or the perfect reality to start doing things. You don't have to wait for the motivation or the inspiration, but you know that if you do those things, you will create that outcome and more of that will come. So all of that to say is health is what you do. It's what you make it, how you create it. It's not a place you arrive. And I hope if nothing else in this series that you've gained a lot of confidence for your body, for yourself, and how you can alter your energy to feel better in the every day. You can do something right now today that allows you to feel better. And if you're struggling with this whole concept, I think some of the most powerful things that you can ask yourself to see the forward progress that you've already created is take a moment to think about how far you've come. Like, I think sometimes we look at progress from where we started to where we want to get, and it feels so far away. But true progress is recognizing where you started from to where you are today. Like, take a few moments to be grateful and recount how far you've come. And then tell yourself something that makes you so proud of that journey. Like, what are you most proud of in that? Be grateful. Use that as motivation to continue moving forward. And I have to say, I'm so grateful that you're here and that you're following along. This officially wraps up the How You Heal series. Of course, there's so many other topics that we could get into in the nitty gritty. And it's definitely not something I'm going to stop talking about because I will forever and always tell you that you were made for living well. It is inside of you. You have the tools. It's in your power to choose it. In the coming weeks, we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled program where we have quite a few interviews coming up talking about metabolic health, bad food beliefs. We're getting into confidence and a lot of other fun podcasts coming up. And in the next podcast, I actually have my husband coming back on the show as we kind of recap this summer and talk more about the issue of confidence based on masculine and feminine energy. So stay tuned for that. As always, you can learn more about today's show, get the five C's and print them out over at thelivingwell.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for the weekly fill where I dive more in depth into these topics, my personal experience. I give you some more to-dos and really just forming that community of people because community matters, right? 
You are like the people you spend the most time with. So if I can build a community, help shift your mind, keep you focused in the right direction and taking daily action, things will change. So I hope you join me over at the Weekly Fill, the only place where happiness and health are combined. The place where you can get happy and live healthy. Yes, it feels impossible, but I show you how every week inside the Weekly Fill. So thanks for being here. I'm incredibly grateful. And stay tuned as we get back to our regularly scheduled program next week. I'll see you back here then.